0: What you've got for us and what you've got for our hearts tonight. Amen? So tonight, standing in the bright lights, we're going to look at thank you Ephesians 1:15 to23. Um, we're going to step through this passage just to see what it says to us, see what we can learn it, what we can learn from it, and how it can relate to our lives today. So Ephesians, it was written by the Apostle Paul. He was someone who lived to encourage people. He, he really lived to encourage and guide other people. He was so passionate about it. He was, he was just continuously encouraging people to follow the path God had for them, to focus in on God and build this closer relationship with God. That's what he just kept on doing. He wanted us to really know God in a personal way. And Paul... What, he wanted us to understand that Christ's Church. We work together. We work together in unity as a family. So, we're coming together, Paul wrote letters to the early churches. Um, with the church in Ephesus, this was his letter to the Ephesians, being one of the letters he wrote. The early churches were, were a bit like, a bit like our different churches. They were, they all looked a bit different, as Scott said. Tasted a bit different, smelled a bit different, had a few different things going on, different things in the areas, a few different thoughts. Um, Each one had different strengths and different weaknesses. So Paul's writing to the churches, helping them grow, helping them learn. One of the great things about Paul's letters to to the old churches was that these letters remained timeless. They were relevant for the churches back then, But they're still relevant today. Everything in there is still relevant for us in our life. So tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a look at this passage in Ephesians and see how is it relevant for us today. So as I said, Paul, he was an encourager. He enjoyed cheering people on, cheering churches on, pointing out the positive things that people were doing, especially when they were going after God. So Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 16. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is the first thing he's saying to the Ephesians. He's saying, hey, you guys, you're doing something awesome. I've heard about your faith. It's great. Keep going. I've heard about your love for God's people. Keep doing it. Get in there. Keep going. So he's just really cheering them on and encouraging them. He's really trying to get them to do it more and more and go after that more and more. Um, so we all know uh, the pastors Bruce and Joan. They're both real encouragers. So I can walk in into the church doors and I'll bump into Pastor Bruce. And, like, all I'll do is open the door, step in, shut the door. He'll say, Pete, you're awesome. You're doing great stuff. I'm loving what you're doing. Keep going, keep going. He just really encourages me. Like, I'm, all I did was walk in the door, but he just, he picks out the positive things that he's seen, and he encourages me. So, Pastor Joan, she does the same thing. I walked into the office just last week. There was someone else in the office. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, Shirley. She says, Shirley, here's Pete. Pete, I taught Pete in grade seven. He was the ducks of our primary school. Pete, you're awesome. Just keep it up. Keep going. You're doing great stuff. And I've given up trying to explain to people that there were only eight kids in grade seven, and all the rest were slacker than me. That's why I got ducks. But Joan, she just wants to encourage me. She wants to. She picks out what's going well and she encourages me and it's great um so i want to do a little experiment um, but i need a volunteer who wants to volunteer josh come on up all right so we will give this a little go now if i come to you and say josh Look at your socks. They are the most disgusting socks I've ever seen. Where did you get them? Did you find them in the bin? Why are you wearing socks around the place like that? You need to get yourself some decent socks. How does that make you feel? Not good. Upset. Upset. Okay. So, does it make you want me to keep on talking to you? No. No. What does it do to our, our friendship? certainly doesn't build it. It doesn't build our friendship. Okay. And what about, say I had some, some wisdom from God and I wanted to pass it on to you. I had this life wisdom that I wanted to pass on to you. Would you listen to me? No. No? Fair enough. It wasn't very nice to talk about your socks like that. Now, what if I see you standing there and say, Josh, mate, I love the way you can wear your socks in church. I love the way you're relaxed around God. I love the way you can just be yourself. That is so awesome. Keep doing it. I'm going to take my shoes off now. I'm going to copy you because this is awesome. How does that make you feel? Definitely a lot more confident. A lot more confident. All right. What does it do to our friendship? Definitely builds it up a lot more. Mm -hmm. Do You want me to keep talking to you? Yes, definitely. What if I had some some wisdom from God maybe to pass on to you? Would you listen to me? Intently. Intently. Cool. (laughs) All right, thank you. Thank you very much. So look at what encouraging someone can do. It's, it's just amazing what it does for people. Now, God is the author of encouragement. He's the original encourager, the very first one to encourage us. If we go back to Genesis 1.31, so God's just made everything, made the world, made people, God saw all that he had made, and it was good. He's looking at the earth. He's looking at the plants, the trees, the animals, and us, man, and he's saying, you're good. Thumbs up, smiley face, big encouragement. He's saying we're good. God was the first one to encourage us. So, back to Paul writing to the Ephesians. How do you think the Christians in Ephesus, how do you think they felt when they read this encouragement from him? What started going through their minds when they read his encouragement? What did they think about Paul when they read this? I think, if I've got my facts right, it might have been about five years since he's seen them. So, so what do they think about him when they, when they see this encouragement coming through? And were they going to keep reading this letter from him? Were they going to take in what it said after that encouragement? Because encouragement, it builds relationship. It builds trust. It opens the doorway for people to speak into our lives. It doesn't make people feel proud. That's, that's something we do to ourselves. Um, but instead, when we're encouraging other people, it builds relationship. How can we use this in our lives? It's really, really simple. You just encourage people more. You encourage your friends, your family, complete strangers. You encourage them. You don't have to make things up. You just pick out the positives, the things you like, and you speak them out. But especially what Paul was doing was he was, he was picking out where people were chasing after God, and he was encouraging them in that. He was picking out where they, where they were putting their energy in God and encouraging them to keep on going. So now, I need two more volunteers. Volunteers? Two? I'll just pick some people. All right, there we go. So, what I want you to do... Excellent. Socks. Well, they are cool. They're bonds? I like bonds. I want you to to sit over there. And, yep, both of you. And I want you to get to know each other better. So I'm going to keep on on preaching. And we're going to test you on this in a minute. So have a chat amongst yourselves. Get to know each other better. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's just encouraged... The Ephesians, he has their attention, he has their trust. He's got our attention as we're reading it, he's got our trust. So what does he do next? Once he has them listening, once he has their trust, what is his first priority, the most important thing he wants to pass on? Let's go Ephesians one seventeen to 19. But I do more than think. I ask, I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us. Who trusts him endless energy, boundless strength so that's from the message translation of the Bible now that's it the first thing God the first thing Paul is asking God for is that we can know God personally in personal personal ways with our eyes focused and clear seeing exactly what he has called us to do understanding the massive gloriousness of this way of life that he has for us and the endless energy boundless strength to help us sounds pretty good to me now why would god want us to know him personally well to understand that to understand why god wants us to know him personally you have to first understand that god loves each and every one of us in a personal way. So I've got five kids, and I love each and every one of them in a personal way. I love Zeke. I love Micah. I love Eva. I love Tilly. I love Malachi. Each of them in a personal way. And because I love them in a personal way, I can have a personal relationship with each and every one of them. Like even Malachi, he's a baby. He doesn't really talk too much. But I talk to him, he looks at me, he gives me smiles. Um, He recognises me, he recognises my voice. I rock him to sleep sometimes. We have a personal relationship. So God wants that with us as well. He wants to know us personally because he loves each and every one of us. A relationship, it's not something you can just get in an instant. It's something that takes time, bit by bit. That's why Paul continues to ask for this. He continues to pray that we'll have this personal relationship with God. Now, grab these two blokes. Come back here. Now, what did you do to actually get to know each other better? Um, Did we actually get to know each other better then? Asked each other questions. Alright. It's a good thing, okay, um, And then you answered. <laughs> okay. So so you asked each other questions, you talked, and you listened. Now another thing what else did you do? Brush shoulders, yep. There was. So you were in this. How do we apply that to Well. <laughs> in a way. <laughs> you're, in this, you're in this personal space, so you created the space, touching shoulders in this space together. So that's awesome. You invested the time into each other. Like you didn't have to ask each other questions, you could have just ignored each other, but you invested that time. So you've got this space, you're investing the time, you're talking, you're listening, it's simple stuff. So you can go, thank you. That's... It's not that different with God. It's the same. It's making the space. It's being in his presence. It's talking, listening. It's investing time. It's pretty easy stuff. Now, take my relationship with Danielle, sitting up the back. From the first time I met Danielle, we've been growing closer and closer. As I learned more about Dan... It keeps on going. We just, we get closer. She learns more about me. I learn more about her. We start seeing things from each other's perspectives more and more. We start turning into each other. Like Sometimes we'll get dressed and we'll come out with the same colour pants and the same colour shirts. It's really embarrassing. So we've even started going to op shops together. And the last op shop we went to, I bought a flower pot thing, because it looked retro. I'm turning into Dan. It's not. It's crazy. That's what happens with God when we develop our relationship with him. As we learn more about him, we grow closer to him. We see more and more from his perspective, and we become more and more like him. Now, Jesus, he didn't come down to the earth so we could know what God is. He came so that we could know who God is. He came so that we could have this personal pathway to God, this direct line, so we could know God personally. Now, didn't put this verse in to the computer, so I have to read it for you. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus created the way for us to have a personal relationship with God. Once the relationship with God has begun, more and more blessings, they start to stack up. Paul mentioned He mentioned just a snippet of what to follow. Paul asks that our eyes are made focused and clear so we can see exactly what God is calling us to. Paul prays asking God to help us grasp the, the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Paul, he asks God to give us endless energy and boundless strength. I'm still waiting for that one. It's going to come. The blessings, they keep coming. The more we hook into God, the more we build our relationship with God. And our relationship with God, it's just the beginning. He has plans for us, hopes for us, things for us to do, people for us to love. As we continue on this road, we start to grasp the massive, enormous, glorious way of life that he has for us. The blessings, they keep stacking up. Now, Jesus, Jesus is the head of the church. So Paul, he goes on, he's, he's encouraged us. He's, he's spurred us on to have this personal relationship with God. And now there's one more thing I want to pull out of this, this passage in Ephesians to take a, a good look at. Now so if we go, start at Ephesians 1.20. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. Now this is the bit I really want you to pay attention to. At the centre of all this... Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. It's not outside of the world. But the world is peripheral to the church. So it's saying here that the church is the center of the world. Now, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So Jesus is the head. We as the church are the body, and we are at the centre of the world. Paul is making this this point. He's making it clear that Jesus is in charge of everything, from galaxies to governments. He's in charge of it. But at the centre, he's the head of the church. We are the church. We are his body. One body united under him, filling everything with his presence. So this point about the church being one body, one family under Jesus, as our head, it was really important for the Ephesians and the early churches to understand. Even today, we're spread around the world. It's still important. We've got different denominations, different churches. Most of us still recognize the unity we have under Jesus. So I've been to to a Catholic church a few times and walking in there, um, this was when I was younger with a mate, walking in there, I still felt the same love that I feel walking in here. Still got the same love from my brothers and sisters that I get here. Dan and I, we spent a year in China. We went to church there. Couldn't really understand what people were saying, but they still loved us. It was the same love that we had over there same love that we have over here we went to Tasmania we walk into this coffee shop at a church we get greeted with the same love brothers and sisters in this family that we've got going loving us everywhere we go we can go just about anywhere in the world and we can find family that's what Paul's explaining that together We unite as a family under Christ, the head of the church, ruler over everything. Now, I need one more volunteer. Who wants to volunteer? we just have to take Nate. Ah, Nate. All right, so Nate, I want you to go sit over there. Just stay there. Call you back later. Yeah, naughty corner. <laughs> I, met, I met this elderly lady recently. She was having trouble in this shop. She was just asking the guy in the shop how to use her camera. Now, she didn't buy the camera in the shop, but this guy, he refused to help her. He told her she needed to leave the shop because he wasn't going to help her. It was, he was actually a really, really rude guy. So I just hung around out the shop outside the shop waited till she came out helped her out showed her what she needed to go to do with her camera to fix it just gave her some of god's love now we got talking and she was a christian as well she was a really encouraging lady so during this conversation she encouraged me she prayed for me it was really obvious that that she did have this personal relationship with god as well she was doing some amazing things. She was running these programs helping people to find emotional healing and spiritual healing in their lives. So God was definitely using her. There was one thing she really struggled with though. She had trouble with the church being one family in unity under Jesus. She'd, I don't know what had happened but she walked away from the church, and, and she couldn't. She said, I can't step back in. I can't be a part of this, this family anymore. So she was off doing her own thing. Whatever the pain was, she was ignoring the people that could have been there to back her up. They could have been there to help with the healing. But she was gone, and she was isolated. She was lonely. She still had a relationship with God, but it was tough being all alone without the backup and the support that a family gives you. So that's why we had this conversation that just kept going and going because she was so isolated. But still, she wouldn't step into the family. She wouldn't come come say good day to everybody else in the family. So I'm still praying for her. I'm still praying that she steps back into this family that we've got. In every church around the world, there's family in unity under God. Now, I'll get Nate to come back. So, Nate, what was it like to just be shoved over there, away from your family, away from the people that like you? Peaceful. Peaceful. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Maybe there is some time to go, to go away. Right. how easy or hard is it to focus on what God's got for you when you're off on your own, doing your own thing? It's hard because you have no one to support you. No you one do. to support you, yep. It makes it harder, makes it more difficult. So how easy or hard is it to spread God's presence and God's love when you've got no one around you? It's Pretty hard. Pretty hard, yeah. You got, you've only got the wall to spread God's presence with. You can love the wool, but it's not going to do too much for you. Now, would you rather be over there by yourself or over here with your family? Over here. Alright. All right. Now, say something's happened. We're not, we're not all a perfect bunch. And there are times when, when we'll kind of offend each other and, and even hurt each other. It happens where do you think you'd find healing more? Would you find healing over there, away from your family, or would you find healing with your family? Healing with my family. Yeah, Cool, sounds good. All right, you can go. Thank you. So, I'll get the worship team up. Um, But the point is, our church is a family in unity under Christ. So, What have we learnt through this passage? This passage written by Paul, not only for the Ephesians, but for us as well. We've learnt to encourage, encourage each other more and more. Encouraging doesn't make other people proud. It develops our relationship with people. It builds trust. It opens doorways so we can speak into each other's lives. Guiding each other, supporting each other. And most importantly, it's a way of spurring people on towards the things that God has for them. What else have we learned? We've learned about, about getting closer to God, spending the time getting to know him, looking at the things, at things through his eyes, through his heart, being available to him, building our relationship with our personal God. And we've learned about living inside this united family with Jesus as our head. Brothers and sisters all over the world ready to support us and back us up as we do the same for them. So out of these three areas, which one do you need to work on? Which one do you need to improve? Do you need to get better at encouraging? Do you need to continue building your relationship with God or do you need to step inside the unity that we have in our church, in our family. I might leave it there.